What's up, nerds? Welcome to the next episode of Nerds Who Live Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Jordan Jarrell, also known as DadBod220 on Instagram. And Jordan is a monster. He's also the proprietor of Bad Dad Barbell in Georgetown, Kentucky, down in the south. And Jordan is top 20 all-time, number 17, in the 220 weight class for powerlifting which is uh, pretty insane. I'm pretty sure he totaled, uh, let's see, over 2K in his last meetup, uh, 20-33 at 220 in Classic Raw, which means a knee wraps. And that's just a, insane. He's a monster. So I'm uh, really looking forward to having him on. He's also a huge nerd. That was one of the things that we bonded over during our Instagram uh, conversations. And so... About to get him on the phone right now. So let's see if we can get him going. Hey, what's up, man? It's Nicholas. How you doing? Not too bad. Just sitting here trying to feed little tiny demons that live in my house. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, you can never get rid of those once you put you know let them in the house. Yeah, you don't want to get rid of them after about 18 or so years, really. You know, I don't even think after 18. They say that, but I don't think they actually leave. I don't either. I'm, I haven't got there yet. I've got six more to go in the old one. I'm pretty sure he's still going to be hanging around. <laughs> well, you have that, that gym in your garage. I don't know why he would go anywhere. So, <laughs> exactly. if he's anything like you. So, um Hey man, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, and talk. I've been looking forward to kind of getting the show going and having you on. So I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, anytime. Um, so going on when I'm not working. Yeah, well, hey man, but still, it's uh, you know it's time out of your your home life and appreciate it. So um, so I kind of I had already uh, kind of recorded a little intro for you for the show and kind of introduced you. Uh, you know, your Instagram and obviously your uh, your gym. And I said that uh, number 17 at 220, I think in all feds. And uh, so I gave you a little intro, but, you know, by all means, uh, for those who don't know you as well as I do, uh, kind of a little bit about yourself and how you started lifting and, uh, you know, what makes you so nerdy? <laughs> um, let's see. So obviously my name's Jordan Gerald or DadBod220 on Instagram, whichever one people want to follow. Um, like you said, it's uh, I think I'm, yeah, I'm still 17th right now at 220 uh, all time. It's like a 2000, and I think it's like 33 after the kilos and whatever come out at 220. Um, I actually have all my numbers here in the note. Let me bring it up. Oh, I don't misquote anything. I hate being wrong. All right. Nothing wrong. Nobody likes saying something and looking back and oh nope that was it. that was not right. Yeah, it's even worse when it's less than what you thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I started lifting. First little meet I did was in 2013. Uh, it wasn't really a sanctioned one, but my gym had put a little meet on, 
and it was uh, I think I, squ- I squatted three fifty on my second attempt, and, and um, I benched three thirty. So the first minute I, did, I squatted twenty pounds more than I benched, and then I deadlifted four fifty five. Uh, since then, uh, most of my meets have went up, uh, except for like when I've dropped from sleeves to wraps or whatever, or vice versa. Uh, my girlfriend and I just started a, uh, we opened a garage gym here at the house we bought because we couldn't find any decent gyms that were in a close enough driving distance here. Um, I started to coach a few people here and there, um, couple people that I know and a few friends of mine that are in powerlifting. Um, uh, so if anybody ever wants to stop by in the Georgetown area, that's always awesome. I love having people come in, drop by and lift. And the fact that makes me nerdy is the fact I played WoW for about eight years, and there's currently a Dungeons & Dragons box sitting in our living room that we haven't got a chance to play yet. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, you have... We played a short little story with some of our friends that came in a couple weeks ago, and it was some of the most fun I have had in a while. Man, they really are. If you find you get some good people, and uh, you know, perhaps a few beverages and food, that's a it's a whole night of fun. It really is. Oh yeah, there's plenty of bourbon bottles on our counter or on top of our cabinet, so we weren't short on drinks. Oh, I know. It's one of my favorite things that I follow. I know that. Whenever I, I like see like oh you know Jordan has Instagram stories I know it's going to be their bourbon bottle uh, you benching or squatting I mean obviously deadlifting but I feel like those two I see more often or it's you playing a game and so <laughs> it's it's one of those three things and it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there for a while most of my videos were benching and then I looked the other day and I had a gap between um, June 3rd and June 16th without having a bench video on my feed. And I was like, I, I thought I had cancer for a second, so I didn't <laughs> actually go and bench to make sure I wasn't dying. Yeah, man, I uh, well, you have a monster bench, man. Like, honestly, it's a, it, it and it's not just, you know, that you just have a, a real, you know, you're, I think some people are really naturally good at benching, even if they like technically kind of suck. But I feel like whenever I watch yours, it's, it's also very technical. Um, you don't just muscle through it. Just my eye. Yeah, it's really. I've always been really good at benching. Like I said, the first meet I did was you know I benched three thirty, um, and it was really weird because I mean I don't know how like um, so the only time my benches ever went down was I benched three thirty in that first meet. I went to another meet um, two months later, and I'm my bench went down five pounds or actually 15 pounds and, but my squat went up 70. So I was like, Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But I mean, I bent, I bent 405 in my second actual meet. And that was at that point, the way my bench was going, I was like, Oh hell, I'm a bench five, 500 in like four months. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. It's kind of funny how the body works. You have some really good progressions, and then you just kind of hit that spot where it just wants to kind of sit there and chill for a little bit, and it's frustrating as fuck. And bench especially is one of the ones that's just like, yeah, I hit a wall. Um, I'm not going to move for like five months. 
Yeah, or say uh, bench is my worst. And actually, I just so you know, I just got back from the gym, and I you know rushed over here. And I uh, today was actually probably one of my first actually good bench days. Uh, I'm horrible bench. Um, it's not something I learned to do early on. You know, I learned to squat a little bit, you know, earlier on, and then you know, deadlift it came later. Um, but bench wasn't in my repertoire until I started actually uh, taking powerlifting seriously. So it's definitely lagged in both, like you know, experience, and then I'm just I'm lanky. Um, so finding <laughs> finding that right groove is has been a has been a challenge. Yeah, it. Um, I, I kind of lucked out in the fact that my proportions kind of aren't awful for all three lifts, but they're also pretty good for benching. Yeah. Yeah. It always looks like you just kind of just like extend your triceps and the rest of you doesn't really move. Like you just, once you set up, (laughs) that's it. It's like you have a bench shirt, but it's just your arms. Exactly. Yeah. That's for everything else for benching. Yeah, great for benching. Uh, well, my I have long ass arms and hypermobile shoulders, so I'm always trying to like get them both in the right spot and then to stay in the right spot. Um, and so I'm finally, I think I'm finally starting to like tighten that up a little bit. But uh, today it actually felt pretty good. So um, and I think like learning how to use the back as that springboard when you get off the bottom and making. I'm not gonna- Huh? Um, I ju- I just figured out how to use my back and flexing my lats on how to squat. Uh, literally like last week, and <laughs> once I figured it out, I was like, I just do the other two lifts and not feel like shit on them. <laughs> and I did it for the, like the last two weeks. My bench has felt kind of shitty. Um, I think I what was it? I did four. I did four twenty five two sets of three last week, and they didn't feel really good. And then, like, the week before, I think I did, um, it was, like, 405, no, it was 390 for six. And, like, my, my triceps just died on me. And today I went in and did 405 for a set of four and actually focused on throwing the bar down to my lat and flexing everything as tight as possible. And 405 moved like how 405 should have been moving in the last, like, three or four weeks. It's so weird how, like, you know, something moves well like during one lift, like say the squat, and then, you know, the rest of the lifts almost suffer for it a little bit, almost like you're, you know, when you're making those new, like, you know, uh, like neuro pathways, those little neural connections, that it almost kind of like interferes with the other ones until they kind of catch up and adapt a little bit. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Um, it really is. Yeah. You can go in one day and hit like a mat at squats, feel amazing, and then you go in like, five days later and go to deadlift and something that's supposed to be like a warm up to not even come off the ground and you just kind of walk away really frustrated and it's never a fun day. No, no. And it, and it's, uh, yeah, it, it isn't, but I mean, it's like, it's one of the, those things that we all have to kind of like accept, you know, just some days you just, you're going to suck, you know, for, and it's always, and it's not one reason or two reasons. It's always probably like 10 reasons, you know, you're underfed, you're underslept. You're under-caffeinated, you're over-caffeinated, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And here's a good example. Me and my girlfriend went to our friend's gym. Um, was it Saturday, Jeff? Yeah, we went to our friend's gym about an hour away Saturday. We woke up and we got there about 11 in the morning. 
And my plan was to squat 620 and wraps for anywhere between four or six reps. I'm not real sure. Uh, anyway, we I started warming up. I got to 405, and I squatted it, but it felt really weird coming out of the hole. Like it felt really lightheaded all of a sudden. I was like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and do my next jump. I'll do 495. I'll keep my sleeves on. Well, coming out of the hole, I went numb from my feet to my neck. Uh, I, I finished the lift, but I, the whole time I felt like I was going to pass out. Mm-hmm. So I wrapped it, and Jess kind of looked at me, and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, no, that didn't feel good at all. Um, I'm not going to squat the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of went. I helped my buddy to do his set, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pass out on the lift today. Yeah, under the bar. <laughs> I'd rather not do that. Yeah, that it would not be good at all. No, no. I've I the one video that always uh it completely it, it's it's really cool to watch, but also kind of creeps me out is um of uh, Ranson Lee um on his third attempt like maybe one or two meets ago, and he passes out literally coming out of the hole, but his body finishes it, but he's out, and so they had they're like you know they're like push him into the you know into the mono. And they push him into the mono and, like, set it down. And then he comes to, like, what happened? What the fuck? And it's scary because yeah. like, he passed out mid-lift. His body finished it. And he locked it out. But he he, he didn't get he, – he couldn't rack it because he was out. And then he comes to, like, oh, what? Yeah. Huh? Like, it, it, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it – Um, I, I talked to Ransom a little bit on Instagram. He's actually really fun and a really cool dude to talk to, but – yeah, I remember seeing that video, and I was like, "Well, that's probably the most manly thing I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, like, like you, you passed out, but you still finished the lift and locked it out. You just, you know, you just were out for the rest of the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think the top is probably Brandon Allen squatting like nine something when he tears a quad and locking it out. Oh yeah, like. Just zero, just zero fucks given. Just he's under the bar. He's gonna finish it unless he can't. And that's just what it, you know. It's you know. Uh, I think some some people who maybe don't have that um, what I call like self sadism because uh, I think it's what powerlifting is like. It's not really masochism, but it, it is self sadism in the sense of you know you're trying to to inflict you know those that that uh, strategic damage so you can grow it's not because you like the pain it's because you like the growth that you get from it um but yeah you know that kind yeah. of dedication that comes from it it's it's great to see and um uh, and i think that's why you know those us weirdos who really love powerlifting and lifting heavy it, you know it, we we love seeing that shit people are like oh that's i say, i show people like ransom squat and they're like what the fuck is that i'm like isn't that so cool and they're looking at me like you are you're not right. <laughs> so yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> People in the world bombing us up with strong men that just get under weight that can like cripple you or you know, put you in a hospital on a weekly basis just because we think it's fun. Yeah, you know, and there's but there's something that you know, it's it's fun, but it's also it's it's like, you know, you're not supposed to be able to do this and then you do it. And I oh, think yeah. Yeah, and I think that's um like that was one of the reasons like I uh, wanted to start my my little show here was um and why I wanted to call it like you know nerds who lift was one I wanted to like make something that I wish I had when I started 
lifting, like a resource that could be like, okay, uh, I want to go here. I can learn about stuff, but it's going to, but I know that I'm going to learn about, you know, good stuff. It'll help me kind of decipher through the mess of, you know, oh, that's out there and kind of, you know, get some good direction and resources. And then also, um, I think that, you know, those of us who are really nerdy uh, and those of us who love lifting heavy, I think there's a lot of carryover. You know, uh, I like feeling, you know, like, like, a you know, superhuman. And when I do, when I lift something, I'm not supposed to be able to lift, you know, that's as close as I'm going to get, you know, you know, well, you know, shy of bathing in gamma rays. So, <laughs> Yeah, it, um, I, I mean, you know, I remember doing my first meet, and, and, you know, like I said, my total was nothing amazing. It was like, I think it was like 11-something, maybe 12. And I remember thinking to myself, if I ever get up to, yeah, it was 11, it was 11.35. If I, I remember thinking to myself, man, if I could ever squat 500 pounds, bench 405, and deadlift like 520, I would feel like I was the strongest person in the world. <laughs> then I look here at my my third meet, and I squatted 507 in sleeves, bench 400, and deadlifted 600. And I was like, you know, it's one of those things where you hit a milestone, and the second you hit it, you're like, well, now I want kind of 605 or 610 or whatever. Yeah. And I think it's probably all of us run into. We don't actually enjoy the little bit of fleeting happiness that we get on a platform because like, I, I, I know for a fact that the first time I did 500 I had tried it twice in a meet and I had missed it I'd ended a meet with 490 and then the next meet I was like okay I'm going to go straight forward on my third attempt I went 455 to 501 missed it got it on my third bench, uh, third meet like six months later and uh, when I got it, I thought that, like, you know, I'd feel like the weight of the world would lift it off my shoulders. But I stood up and I walked away like it was just a regular third attempt. And I sat over in the crowd and I was like, I should have put 507 on the bar. Yeah. God damn it. I could have got a few more. Just a little bit. Yeah. And you know, I think you're right on that. Um, you know, I had, um, so my, on my last meet, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned this on, uh, on the last little show that I did. Um, but on my last meet, uh, I didn't get what I wanted. Um, I really wanted to get, um, I wanted to squat over, I wanted to squat 400, which I haven't done yet. And I wanted to get, um, a class two, uh, a total for USPA. And, uh, I didn't do that. I was about eight and a half pounds shy of the four. Um, and then, oh. So that it was like, you know, I was there, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Cause I just, you know, didn't work. And then, um, I, I missed my third bench, which again, my bench sucks. So that kind of sucked to get me closer. And then uh, I tried to, to make up for it for my third pool. And had I got my third pool, I would have at least got a class two. And then uh, I passed out like right at my lockout for my, <laughs> for my last pool. Uh, so obviously I didn't get it. So I didn't get any of my goals, but um, to like what you said about not appreciating those things, um, when I, before I started wanting to do powerlifting competitively, uh, my original like goal when I started lifting more seriously, I was like, oh, I'll just, I just want to get into the, you know, the one, the one K club, like just get it, 
total like a thousand, not even on platform, just like like gym um, before I consider you know, competing. And uh, I didn't even realize that actually until uh, you had mentioned that just now that I was like, I never even uh, thought that I, hey, I did finally do that. Uh, that is kind of cool. I was too like, uh, you know, pissed off at myself for, for tanking or, you know, what I considered tanking to uh, appreciate that little, you know, that is still a small win. Yeah. Like, we, our version of tanking is other people's version of having a good day. It's like, oh, I only made, you know, I missed all my third lift, but I hit a PR on all of my seconds. Not really the day I wanted. Yeah, yeah, it's a no. Yeah. Good example. My my fiance Jess, we did her last meet, and her numbers before the meet and please were like two seventy five, one fifteen, and two ninety. Well, her openers at her last meet were three fifteen in wraps. Uh, one, what did we open you with? 135? 135, and I think her deadlift opener was 315 as well. So she opened with PRs, but she was mad because she missed her third bent, or her third squat. She squatted 345, so, you know, already that's 70-pound squat PR within wraps. But she went for, like, 365, and she just got out of position a little bit, and I took it from her because I was like, well, you've got the rest of the day. No need to ruin yourself over one attempt. And she was so mad at me. I was like, I don't think you understand. I was like, you ended the day with a 70-pound squat PR. You can't be mad because you missed the 90-pound squat PR. <laughs> You're still having a good day. Put it in perspective. Yeah. No, I, and it's true. Honestly, I, I, I would have – I totally get it. I mean, because – I mean, that's how I was. I mean, I, I mean, my my best squat in the gym up until my meet was 385. And then 391 and a half is, is like, you know, what, six and a half pound, you know, PR there. And, and, uh, the, you know, it's, so it was like, yeah, it's still a PR. <laughs> exactly. I mean, a PR is a PR. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. When I started competing, I literally told one of my buddies one time, I was like, I don't compete for five or 10 pound PRs. I'm not going to compete unless it's like a 20. And now I'm sitting here thinking, like, no, I'd, I'd be good with a 765-pound squat. I was like, a 5-pound PR is okay with me. I don't, I'm not going to get that gritty. Because <laughs> after, after you get to a certain point, stuff gets really heavy. And <laughs> 20 pounds is a lot more than 20 pounds at that point. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's like those, it's just those, those small, you know, you fight for every single, like, you know, pound and kilo and and you, and it, and, it, and it doesn't help anyone, you know, especially yourself to diminish those little, you know, those, those things like, we, cause I, I think, you know, we would never be that way with any of our friends, you know, like I'm sure you would never be that way with your fiance, like oh, five pound PR is nothing. Like we would never say that to anyone we actually care about. But when it comes to ourselves, nope. we're like, meh, you know, you just have, we always hold our Oh yeah. 100%. And, but, but then again, it's like, yep. you know, the people that we think the world of, you know, they can just like, they could get a two pound PR and where, you know, you're just ecstatic about it. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, our friends had a one pound PR, like you said, and we're like clapping and doing back with, we had one pound PR. I'm like, that was bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Unacceptable. Like I, 
yeah, you know, it's 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 weird, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's something that I think we any lifter can do would do well to kind of rein in a little bit and start to just you know ha- have more fun and appreciation for even the little the little stuff. Oh yeah, I, I see kids nowadays that are like, you know, they bench three fifteen for the first time, like. All right, road to which I mean I was guilty of it too. I benched four hundred five and I was like road to five hundred, but you know they'll they'll say like road to four hundred five or four hundred fifty, and I was like, I don't think you people understand that between three fifteen and four hundred five is a couple numbers different. Yeah, and it happened overnight. And my favorite one is when people squat seven hundred five and we're like, okay, I'm gonna squat eight hundred next. It's like no, there's ninety five pounds difference there. And the jump from 705 to 800 is a very large jump. <laughs> yeah. The amount of people have blows my mind. Yeah. And I think like, it's it's completely – it's good to want to be like, yeah, I eventually would like to squat 800, you know, after 705, yeah. which is monstrous on its own. But, yeah, but, yeah, but don't pretend like, you know, 725 – 740, 750, seven, you know, that that's not all there first. No. It, um, it, you know, that's the thing. It's like your PRs aren't guaranteed. I mean, you're going to have training cycles that just absolutely suck for some reason or another. Injuries, you know, fatigue, work, whatever. You know, sometimes you're going to be lucky just to make it to the meet and hit something that you would normally hit on any given day. And you know, you're just going to have a bad day sometimes. It's just going to happen. Yep. And, you know, and it's one thing I, you know, I learned from mine was, you know, that's okay because, you know, when we go to a meet and you get judged, like you're getting judged harshly. So you can't squat high. You can't bench fast. You can't, you know, soft, you know, soft, you know, have soft knees on your pull. So even if you pull, you know, you know, you, you do something, you know, that's, you can do any day you're doing it under extreme, you know, extreme scrutiny. And then it's going, obviously going on record. So, I mean, as long as it's better than your last meet, and even if it's the same, maybe, or just, you know, whatever, it's still like under the hardest conditions, you know? And that's another thing is like, I hate, and I mean, absolutely hate when somebody posts a video and you can tell they squatted high as giraffe pussy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just because three, just because three dudes from the SPF in Tennessee threw three white lights on it, that it automatically validates. It, it might validate it for that meet, but you and I, at the end of the day, can look at it and be like, "No, that looks like dog shit." Yeah, doesn't deserve to exist. Yep. If if I if I can't see the top of your dick kissing the floor, I feel like you know you might be a little high. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be that. I mean, the rules are there for a reason. It says hip crease below your kneecap. Yeah. It's not real hard. It's not. No, it, it's not. And I love. People look at it and they're like, no, 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 no. The, the top of my hip crease is here. And they're pointing at like the top of their quad. And I'm like, dude, you have pretty big quads. They, they're they bigger. They're, they poke out farther than your hip crease. You're dumb. Yeah. No. And it's like, I, I actually love, um, at least in, in the US, in the USPA rule book, I mean, I guess the one I've read the most, um, you know, they have like the picture of, Hey, this is what depth is. And they have the guy in the, in the photo, he took, they take chalk and they put it around his hip crease. 
And then, you know, and then there's yeah. a picture of him doing depth. And it shows high depth, and it shows, you know, two depth wide at the mine. And I'm like, why don't they just fucking do that? Like at meets, like have a referee, like someone like official have like a bright piece of like chalk, like pink or something really bright. And they like, and find your hip crease. So a judge does it and like mark your hip crease and then go and stand, like go and squat. I feel like that would solve a lot of issues. Be like, nope, a judge put a nice little like bright color around your hip crease, you know, and found where yours is because everyone's anatomy is a little different. And then you went and squat. And so they have a nice like bright reference. Yeah, I know somebody, somebody in one of the Facebook groups I was in a couple of years ago was always talking about, like, I don't know why technology hasn't got to the point where we can just put, like, little sticker targets with, like, barcodes or, like, fluorescent colors on it on, like, your hip crease and then, like, have a camera read it when you hit depth or something like that. But, I mean, somebody would find a way to cheat with it at some point or you oh, know, yeah. like you're saying with the chalk. Somebody would end up pulling their singlet. They'd wear bigger singlets and, like, wear them lower or whatever. Yeah, they would do something. I mean, so I mean, someone always does. I mean, I, I would I would think that like in my head when I think about it, I think about like if they did it right before you squat, like you're going up to your attempt, or you're on you're in the hole, a judge, you know, one of the refs comes, finds your hip crease, marks it, and then you know you're then you know, then it's your turn. You know, that's how I would do it. But if, you know, it's just what I always think. I'm like, oh, that may. But like you said, someone always finds a way to to fuck it up um you know and maybe we just we shouldn't even you know have to do all that if people just fucking hit depth and leave no doubt exactly that's all people gotta do is just squat like people act like depth is some weird magical place and it's not it's literally where every squad is supposed to go and it's not it's nothing new it's not been you know reinvented in the last 10 years it's been the same thing forever and ever and ever and people just like to be stupid yeah yeah you know and it's the weirdest thing and even like when i like when i teach someone how to squat you know i you know i teach them okay you know try to hit depth now somebody who you know is learning to squat like for the first time like for real you know of course they're not going to be able to hit depth and that's okay and eventually they're going to hit parallel and that's a milestone and eventually they hit you know they will they will hit depth and then, you know, but I at least give that as like a marker, like, hey, this is your, what you're looking for. This is your range of motion. And, you know, and that, that's it. That's really it. Um, yeah. The perfect world, everybody would do everything the way they're supposed to, but unfortunately, we're flawed individuals. Yeah. But hey, I guess it also kind of just keeps everything entertaining. There's that. True. So. Yeah, everything a lot more boring. Yeah, it would be. And, you know, but in, in the kind of like, you know, segue, um, you know, a little bit kind of, you know, again, with, you know, with, you know, beginners and whatnot, I did want to ask you, um, you know, how you got started into lifting just like as a whole. And then obviously what led to powerlifting and to where you are now. And then, um, and then follow up with that of, you know, like what program you use when you first started, like complete beginner. Cause that is kind of what this show is tailored for. And then um, what, after that, maybe what program or what, maybe what you did that after starting that kind of helped you, you know, kind of level up or kind of turn the corner where you're like, all right, now I'm starting to get some traction. Right. Um, so when I started, there was actually, there was a really good powerlifting gym back home. I, I lucked out that um, powerlifting had been really prevalent in uh, some of the older guys that were back home. So, um, 
we had a decent gym and when I was starting to train, I think it was like 2013, a lot of the guys that were coming out of high school um, that were going to college and stuff were wanting to do the same thing that had been around the guys that had been powerlifting forever and they were all big and jacked and, you know, whatever. We always wanted to be big and do deadlifts. So um, we all start, got into it there. Uh, mine started... The exact reason I started powerlifting was at, at first I, I, I went through a really bad breakup and I was just, it's the standard, you know, oh, I want to go get in shape so I can feel better about myself and whatever. So I was following like little bodybuilding.com programs and they they ramped up and whatever. And I think there was one day when I was deadlifting, it was the first day I ever deadlifted 405 and I picked it up and I stood there and I was like, this is really cool. I could get, uh, um, um, the word I was thinking of was uh, like, I was enamored with the fact that you could put more weight on the bar and continuously get stronger. I was like, I want to kind of push this and see how far I can go. This is more fun than trying to do side delt raises with like 15 pounds or 20 or whatever. Um, Amen. So, uh, and you know, back then, Facebook and everything was still kind of in its infancy and you pretty much had to use YouTube and internet forums. So I was looking around, and I was trying to find stuff, and uh, at the time, it was when Brandon Lilly he came out with his cube program, and everyone around here was running it. So I picked the one that he he had modeled off of Dan Green, because I'd, I'd always watched Dan Green lift, and Dan Green's probably one of my favorite lifters of all time. And he was like, this is a lot of volume. This is kind of what Dan Green does. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. I started... Yeah, exactly. I was like, I started to follow it, and the only like the only thing I did was uh, there's like a there was a heavy week, and then there was a rep week, and then there was a speed week for each lift. It kind of just rotated. It was kind of like it was like a raw version of conjugate, but without bands and chains. It was just a heavy rep and speed week. So I would replace the speed week with another rep week, and just add like five or ten pounds. The last one I did, and that actually worked pretty well. I mean, there was a a lot of volume to it, so I just ran it a couple times, and then um, I, I met some more people in uh, in powerlifting, and I, I'd say like the cube method or five three one is a good place for beginners to start. Five three one is really good to start with because it's really hard to mess up. Um, yeah, if you go with five one, but boring. I mean, you can't mess it up. I mean, it, it's going to be boring after a while, but, I mean, you're going to get pretty decent results out of it because you're going to be building a base. That's what people don't understand is you want to build a base and then work from there. You can't build a pyramid from the top down. you got to go from the bottom up. Yeah, and, and actually the first show I put out um, was was just that, was kind of like four steps to just getting started into like lifting and fitness. Um, and, and I named off four programs that are like basically free. You can like find on the internet or like pay like 20 bucks. One of them was five, three, one, uh, five by five, the Texas method, five, three, one, uh, Lane Norton's PH three, and then uh, a starting strength, uh, which is another like a really beginner program. And, uh, I agree. Yeah. And uh, those are like really easy and like they're free. Like you can find them on the internet and like good to go. And then you'll get good. Um, I said a uh, foundational strength, like, you know, like don't worry yeah. about, like you said, doing delt raises when, you know, your compound lifts aren't strong, like get strong first and then refine. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, especially college kids, they'll jump in nowadays 
and they're just worried with trying to, you know, get to the end goal as fast as humanly possible. And they don't think about building everything up. So a lot of kids now will get really strong real fast, but their tendons and their joints don't have enough time to play catch up. That's why everybody disappears after like two or three years. Their body just breaks down. Yeah, I think that's actually that's a, a really solid point that most people forget, that your tendons and your ligaments do not adapt at the rate of your musculature, um, which is a huge reason why. I mean, that's why we have, you know, sleeves and wraps. Is It's basically like an artificial, you know, um, extra tendon and ligament that you're putting around your knee to help transfer the force, you know, from your bottom musculature back up to your, you know, to your top musculature, you know, out of the hole. Because, you know, muscle-wise, you can get it, which is why you can leg press a shit ton. Um, but it's the transfer between those where things get a little, you know, leaky. Yep, that, that's a good point. Um, I know, you know, I, for a long time, I was one of those kids that was like, oh, I'm not going to wear wrist straps because, you know, that's, that's dumb and whatever. Well, I found out very quickly one day when we were doing, like, I think it was a three-board press with, like, 90 pounds of chain. I think all together, like, the top, it was going to be, like, 390 or 400 pounds. I almost lost it out, and it just rolled out of my hands. And luckily, it was a three-board, so it fell and hit the board, and everybody grabbed it. Ooh. So it didn't actually hurt. I was like, I'm investing in three stretch tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a huge thing. Like, I know people, you know, I've worked in gyms, you know, like, you know, functional fitness gyms, and they're like, you know – you know, we don't want to wear wrist wraps or use knee sleeves. And it's like, and uh, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, there's a time where you don't, you don't need your wrist wraps on your warm up, you know, presses or, you know, need to put on your sleeves to squat the bar or a plate, you know, unless that's like where yeah. you're at. But it's like, you know, you make these advancements that just help you in the longevity of your lifting and your technique. Um, yeah. You know. Thing is, most people don't think about longevity. They're just like, I want to hit this total right now as soon as possible. And, you know, like I said, when I started, I hit that, I, you know, my first meet was 1,100, and I thought 1,700 would be amazing. I've blown by that by 300 pounds, and I'm a knock on wood. I've had nothing go wrong so far, but, I mean, I also... I am really anal about when I wrap my wrist. I wear my knee sleeves all the time. I wear a belt when it gets over a certain percent. Um, I freak out if I don't get to go see my chiropractor like every two weeks and something feels tight or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm real meticulous about that and probably drives my girlfriend insane. But Oh, yeah. I'm, don't have- I'm like that, too, actually. <laughs> with lately i see everybody like tearing quads or blowing off pecs and i'm just like no i don't want a part of that i'm good yeah yeah no i I like being healthy like i live to be stronger not to tear myself up you know negatively i want to tear myself up in the positive way you know not the negative way and you know like um my one of my biggest things for like you know when i started and then when i you know when i teach people or for people i'm like i say learn how to brace like, go read and watch every Chris Duffin video, like, fucking anything you can about bracing. And even if it kind of blows over your head a little bit, like, watch it again, because that that literally will save you and your back. 
Yes. Speaking of, I'm going to send you a video I have here on Instagram real quick. Or actually, I've got your number now, so I'm just going to do that. But I, uh, I saved the video from, it was probably the best ex explanation of bracing that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and oh yeah, please send it. Do what? I said, yes, please send it over. It's a guy that used to work with Kabuki Strength. Uh, he was one of their coaches. He's not anymore. I don't know what he does anymore. But uh, <clears throat> I recorded it from him there one time. And it, it was just, sometimes when you explain something in a really layman and like stupid way, it sticks. Oh, yeah. And that explained it. And I was just like, that makes the most sense to me. Like, I never knew how to root into the floor for my feet because when people say, screw your feet into the floor, I would just kind of turn my feet out and then like press out on the outside of my feet. So I would be like pressing on the sides of my foot. Mm -hmm. So I was squatting like, on and inside my foot would be touching the ground <laughs> and it would look really bad. Oh. And then I think I, I saw a Chris Duffin video and he was talking about uh, your feet and whatever. He's like, think of it like a hand on the ground. And he was trying to explain it. Somebody wasn't getting it. He's like, okay, let me put it this way. He's like, Think if you were trying to squat on a medicine ball. He's like, we would never encourage you to do that because it's really stupid. But he's like, imagine you're standing on a medicine ball and you're going to squat on it. He's like, how would an eagle grab a medicine ball to make sure it didn't fall off of it? And for some reason, that, I was like, oh, you're going to grab it with your big toe, your little toe, and your heel, and you're going to turn outwards like you're grabbing it like a, an eagle would grab a fish. And I was like, holy crap, I'm grabbing the ground. This makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. How those like some different visual, like you said, the layman's uh, that imagery, or just like something that that really sticks in your head, then translates to getting a concept. Yeah, well, like the, another big one is everybody always screamed at me when I was benching to um, pretend to tear, you know, bend the bar apart or pull the bar apart. Well. If I've got my hands out in front of me and I'm thinking pull the bar apart, I'm going left to right, you know, trying to pull it apart like a Chinese finger trap. Yeah. I don't feel anything that way. But my chiropractor put a PVC pipe in my hand and he said, try to bend it. So I took it. I tried to bend my hands together and I was like, oh, I feel my lats working. He goes, okay, hold it like that and try to bench. So when I did that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So now I just think about trying to turn my, my tricep into my lat. And just being like that. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I've actually, so. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh. It's just everybody learns something different. Like, I'll tell my girlfriend three or four things, and she'll get maybe one or two. But if she hears it from somebody else in a different way, it makes more sense. She'll be like, oh, that's what you were trying to say. I'm like, yeah. That's exactly what I was saying, like, five times, <laughs> but in just different in, in different words. Yeah. And and then I think, you know, so like I've heard that same thing with pulling the bar apart and I've had trouble with that. And, and I've seen the PVC pipe, you know, and I've done that and I, you know, and I've, and I've felt that, but when I do that on the bench with a solid bar, I, um, I over tuck and maybe it's just cause the flexibility, my elbows just go way too far in. Um, Oh, and, and because I'm twisting, like I'm twisting so hard and then I bring it down and my elbows just kind of like, and again, in part, I think part of it's just, you know, I have lots of mobility in my shoulders, which is a good thing, but it also right. can, you know, can serve against me. Um, so what yeah. I have to do is I, I, I try to twist the bar 
with my with my shoulders and the lats to get that on. So twisting, you know, my whole arm, and then I, I pull my elbows apart, just like straight apart, like tearing a finger trap. So I actually do both. That's just how I do it. The easiest and kind of I, I want to say dumbest way that I can explain a bench press, just because I mean. Sometimes, like I said, you know, the dumb explanations work for people um, is when you grab the bar, if you focus on squeezing your ring and your pinky fingers into the bar a little bit harder, well, I mean, you want to grab the bar, you know, hard all the way around, but if you squeeze those with more intent, it kind of already, that part of your hand is squeezing your last and whatever, so it kind of cues you to, oh, that's what I want to be doing. And you don't have to, uh, you know, rotate as much with your elbows. <clears throat> that's a, that's actually good. That's a great cue, and I can actually back that up. Like I, uh, I went to massage therapy school and focused on sports massage um, back in the day. And one thing, uh, you know, there are different, um, like where the, um, so there's like the uh, your fascial. I was, I was looking for the word in my head. They're like the fascial covering over your over your muscles have different like connective points and the there is um like muscle fascia that connects your your ring and your pinky to your lat and then on the opposite there's fascia lines that connect your uh pointer finger and your thumb to your bicep and your chest yeah um so just to you know reiterate your point like anatomically speaking uh yeah when you you know squeezing those makes more sense it's gonna it's gonna keep the focus you know, on that specific anatomical line of your lats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. like I said, I don't like it um, to explain to people that way, but, you know, just for simplicity's sake, I just tell people this is the dumb way that I explain everything. Hey, man. Uh, I think, you know, the most simple things are the most profound. Like, you know, I think when things are too complex... At that point, I think you're just—it's just verbal masturbation. If you can't explain oh, it yeah. simply, you—you you don't really understand it, you know, in that sense. Um, so, plain press or on a deadlift to my girlfriend forever, <laughs> and she it until she saw a video of Sebastian Oreb, uh, like explain it to one of his clients or whatever, and he is just all he said. Yeah, I keep telling her, like, press the floor away. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, treat it like you're going to jump. You know, just get down and jump. And Sebastian, all he did was he pointed at the girl, he pointed at her feet and said, now push the earth away from you. And she goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. I was like, oh, that's cool. Just me feel stupid. <laughs> that's cool. I said, I said jump. He said push, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's... You know, I like to think that when someone gets something like that, like you're like, I've, I've said this to them eight times, nine times, and they heard it a tenth time in a slightly different way from somebody else. I do like to think that that is impartially from you planting the seeds of understanding, you know, like, you know, maybe they didn't get it, but you kept pushing it that when they did hear it, it kind of, it finally just kind of oh, sunk in, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like you're giving people a general outline of what you're trying to say. It's just they have to hear that one specific thing that clicks with them. You know, like the pipe with me, or or uh, you know the eagle sitting on a fucking medicine ball. You know, that, that's probably not going to work with everybody. But for me, that, it made perfect sense. 
Yeah. Well, most people maybe have never watched either. Obviously, have gone fishing and seen like a you know an eagle or a hawk like you know grab something with talons um, or watch National Geographic. So yeah, that probably won't work for everybody. Um, but yeah, but it you know it works for you. Uh, and, and I think that's you know what it comes down to is that is that it's it, I think most people get frustrated if they hear something, and I mean I'm guilty of it when you're starting out and it's just not making sense right away and you feel stupid and you're like, why do I not get it? Yep. Like, I mean, I'm not the world's best conventional puller. My buddy who is, uh, maybe like an inch shorter than me, but he has a lot longer arms can pull either way. And it goes great. He, he'll try to explain something to me. I'm like, dude, I'm literally not getting this. This sounds extremely dumb. And even when I talk to like Trevor, uh, Jack, Jaffe from Florida, he'll try to say something. I'm just like, you're speaking basically alien language to me, and I don't understand it. Yeah, and and it, and and I think that's everybody's process, and you know, and they get frustrated, and they. I think it's important for people to know that everybody goes through that. Everybody goes through that. You go through that. I'm sure even Jaffe still will go through that in some things, like um. Like for me right now, my biggest thing is uh, is uh, pushing my shoulders back into the bar of my squat, like coming out of the hole. Um, I don't I don't drive up enough, and um, and I train with Scott Miller from Stronghouse, and he always tells me to skinny up out of the hole. And, you know, like you're trying to get skinny, or you know, or like push back. And like I kind of like I kind of got that. I was like, oh, I kind of get that. And you know, it started to help me get it, but I still haven't like got that to click, you know, fully. Like I know what I logically need to do. I need to push my shoulders back when I come out of the hole, but I haven't quite and, got that. Yeah. And see, I have a friend who is the exact same way. And for some reason, that's something that I've always just, I'm, I've never wanted to be able to fall forward in a squat. So somehow I've just always naturally just thrown my shoulders back into the bar uh, but I have a friend who I've tried to explain it to multiple times, and he could never get it from me. Well, he started doing a version of a squat. Um, we saw it from Donnie Thompson. It was um, he had straps. It was kind of like a pin squat, except you have straps hanging on the uh, tied to the bar from the top of the rack, and you just go down till the strap, you know, obviously runs out of uh, length, and then you squat back up, but you keep the tension on the bar. You don't let go of the bar. And he said that that taught him how to, uh, you know, throw his back into the bar more than anything. And I was like, okay, well, that's one for you. And, you know, like I was saying out here in, uh, a couple weeks ago when I was squatting, all we did was put red, the little red mini bands on the bar and try to, you know, when I unracked it, that taught me how to keep my back really tight. But it also reinforced, you know, me wanting to make sure I threw my back into the bar on the way up. Otherwise, the bands were going to pull me back down. But a good, you know, another a dumb way to say it is pretend that um, you've done good mornings before, right? Yes. Okay. So imagine you, you've got a straight bar on your back, and you're gonna get, you're gonna hinge backwards and just bend over. Okay. Instead of using your hips to throw the bar back, you're literally just going to take your shoulder blade and try to throw that bar off your back. And that's pretty much what I try to think of when I'm coming up out of the squat. 
is I'm trying to take my shoulders and throw the bar off of my back as fast as humanly possible. <clears throat> okay. So I'll drive with my feet coming out of the hole, but while I'm driving, I'm also trying to, uh, I don't want to say, I say throw my, you know, my shoulders up, but I'm trying to raise up as fast as possible to where, you know, if I, if I go at full speed, the bar is going to leave my back. Right. Right. And I think like for me, like, like I've been trying to get that. And part of that is I try to, like when I sit up, I don't know if you've ever, if you, if you like look at a video of me squatting, um, I have really mobile shoulders. So I'm able to pull them like all the way through and I get them pretty much pointed down. Um, you know, unless I'm just feeling a little tight, but for the most part, I can do that. Um, and so I try to keep and try to then I try to bend the bar, you know, use my lats to pull the bar, uh, you know, across my shoulder blades. Like I squat better on a on a on a buffalo bar um, than I do a straight bar because it, it already has that, and I think I even push back maybe a little more right. natural. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And, and so then That's when cool. I go, now, huh? I was I was watching one of your squats right now, and your shoulders are literally like perfectly up and down with each other. And I'm just like, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's a good skill, um, but so but. When I go to push my my shoulders back, um, they want to my elbows want to flare backwards um, out of the hole. Now and then I lose that position, and I've done it where there's been a few times, like on my 391 for my for my um, for the meet. Uh, I, I thought about that. I was like, man, I, I don't want to miss this. I'm already not squatting for like I really want to not fuck this up. So I really tried to, to skinny up and like push into the bar. And my elbows flared backwards, and then um, you know I'm grinding it out, and the squatter behind me, who was a buddy, was like, it was like elbows, and I just I threw my elbows through in my sticking point to like get my position back, and then I was able to finish. And so I know that if I can find a way to cue my shoulders going back without losing my really nice like elbow shoulder position, I would be money. Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't, yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I need to try to figure out is like, I need to try to figure out how to cue and get that action, but without losing my really nice, like torso setup, uh, you know, without that compromise, you know, compromising. I think I went, I went over this with Jess last week when we were, or the other week when we were squatting with those minivans. Um, have you ever done a lat pull down in a cable machine with like a handle and you just pull it like to your side? Um, yes. Okay. So think like you're standing perfectly straight and bring your arm all the way to your side and pretend you're grabbing that handle and then just take your elbow and bring it down to your lat and squeeze as tight as humanly possible. Right. So that's how you're going to grab the bar. Now, after you grab the bar, think about driving your elbow and your lat forward and squeezing from your middle back to your lat and flex that as hard as possible. And then do that with both sides. And that's how I, that's how I keep my back tight when I squat now. So, so say the last, the, the last part again, just to, can like, just to like hear it again. So pulling in, after pulling uh, in. I'm sorry. So after you pull your lat in, or your elbow into your lat, you're going to pull your elbow and your lat forward. So it's like when people say drive your elbows under the bar, you're going to pull your lat and your elbow forward, and you're going to flex as hard as humanly possible from your middle back 
to your lap, and you're going to do that on both sides, and that'll keep your bag locked in and nice and stable, and it'll make a nice little shelf to hold the bar on. Okay, so when you say forwards, like when I do that, because I um, my doing it just now, like I want to my 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 shoulders want to roll kind of forward, almost like cobra. Is that kind of what you mean? Um. Um, no, I sent a video to one of the guys that I was working with a couple of weeks ago. I just got to find it. Uh, I think it's on my app. I have to find it, and I'll send it to you after we're done. Yeah, yeah, please do. And and yeah. I'll and I'll and I'll probably still share it like on the page, so anyone who eventually listens to this and wants to see it, I'll post it and I'll reference. That this was the video. <laughs> That's fine with me. So, are you still working with Scott right now for your uh, training? I am. Yeah. Yep. Still working with Scott. Um, that's going well. He's he's a smart guy. I don't know if you ever got to meet him at all. He's he's funny. He's um, you know he likes to he likes to take his time. Into, well, not take his time. He likes to take, he will take his time to explain things. Like, I'll tell him, like, hey, I kind of get it. Kind of like, you know, I told you, I need another way. Can you, like, use a different example? And he'll just, you know, he'll just, he'll just spit fire examples until something sticks. So, I appreciate that. Because <laughs> sometimes I need it. Yeah, I, I talk to Scott every now and then on Instagram, and I like to aggravate him and whatever. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, he's good. He's like he's doing a pretty good job with everybody he's working with. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 funny. That's funny if you if you aggravate him. <laughs> uh, that's good. It was worse whenever he was coaching Garrett. Um, I would just <laughs> aggravate him about Garrett. Oh, that's funny. I think I aggravate Garrett more than I do Scott too. So. It's, <laughs> When they were working together, it just made my life happy. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so I am. Um, I did want to. So what? Um, and we, we kind of digressed. Uh, you said kind of what you know what you first started to do, but in terms of program, what after you started lifting, what was something that you did? You know that kind of helped you turn a corner. Like you know now you're you know you already started like actual formal programming and learning form. And whatnot. What was something right. that, that you did that was like, oh hey, I like this kind of helped me, you know, level up. Uh, there were two things. Um, fifth set by uh, Sweet Burns is probably the most simple, and I don't want to say simple because that really undermines the value of the program. Um, it is really hard to mess his program up, but at the same time, it is really hard to do you look at it and you don't think it's a lot of work but then you get done and you're almost dying um that has that has paid the most dividends for my deadlift and my bench in any type of training cycle um it my squat don't get me wrong it made progress on it but um my squat's weirder than my other two lifts like i can i can squat heavy pretty much on a weekly basis and it pay off I can't deadlift heavy on a weekly basis or I'll fucking die. Right. So what was the name but, of the program again? 
fifth set, it's literally just uh, I think it's I think you can buy it on Elite FTS and uh, I think maybe Amazon. Okay, cool. Got it. Then you know, Swede is on Instagram, as in uh, I think his name's M F Swede S W E D E. It's all one word, and I think there's a link to it on his profile. But he was, you know, he was super nice. He, uh, I bought the book. I asked him a couple questions. He never charged me a dime for any of the advice he gave me. He uh, came down from Pennsylvania to Louisville and helped me at my meet for free. Um, yeah, I know he coaches people on the side too, but I mean that was just for the fact that I ran his program and knew a couple people that he knew, and um, I was just really happy that my lifting was taking off at the time. Oh, that's and awesome. Aside from Aside from this set, I ran an ebook that Blaine Sumner sold on his website. I don't know if he still does or not. I think it was called The Vanilla Gorilla. It was uh, basically a squat bench and deadlift variation three or four times a week. So, like, day one would be <clears throat> heavy squats, um, close grip bench, and then, like, RDLs followed by leg extensions and um, things like hamstring curls. Day two would be kind of like your main bench day, followed by pause squats and good mornings with some chest and tricep work afterwards. And then your deadlift day would be obviously a heavy, heavy deadlift day, like um, photo presses or pin presses or something. And then like safety squat bar with some hamstring and back work thrown in. And then if you did a fourth day, I think it was kind of like a speed day. It was like accommodating resistance on all three. Um, anytime I see the word accommodating resistance on anything, I just kind of skip it because I hate the word and I just don't do bands for the most part. <laughs> that one was a really good way for me to, um, so I'll, I'll backtrack first. This set is a really simple program. You live three days a week. Um, you alternate um, what days you live. So like if you pick Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you're always going to lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But week one is going to be um, bench, squat, and your second bench. Your next week is going to be your deadlift, your bench, and then your squat day. And then following that will be second bench, deadlift, and then bench day. So it kind of, you, you know, you've got a bench, a squat, a second bench, and a deadlift day. But you kind of rotate them in what he calls um, micro cycles. Uh-huh. So you're doing one of the main like every night days or whatever. So that one was a really good way for me to just kind of put my training on autopilot because you added a certain amount of weight each week. You, the, the reps stayed the same for the most part throughout it. I didn't have to do a lot of thinking. It was really good for me to just, if I didn't have any training partners, I could go in there and do it by myself and get it done. And, you know, just, it was a really good way. To, it was a good man, a way to manage my time in the gym and still get really good gains out of it. Um, the Blaine Sumner one was a really good way for me to go in and lift if I had a really hectic schedule because I'm on call all the time for work. So if I could only get three days a week in, I'm still getting to squat, bench, and deadlift every day, uh, and I'm sneaking a little bit more volume in with each lift, you know, still squat, benching, and pulling three times a week, basically but not at the intensity that you would do, like if you were doing them, you know, super heavy. So it, you know, it got all my 
secondary lifts like my close grip, my incline, safety squat bar, and all that. It got them really strong, which it also it, my squat skyrocketed on that. It was really dumb, um, <laughs> but that was also the that was also the first time I ever like incline pressed four hundred five, and it was after I squatted like five something for three sets of three or something like that. So it, it's really good. It's a good way to sneak in a lot of extra volume without trying to kill yourself with like five sets of 10 or, you know, 10 sets of eight or whatever, you know, it, it worked out really well. It just kind of depends on if you have a set schedule, I would go with fifth set. If you're really busy and strapped for time, I would look into one of those um, squat bench and deadlift, you know, kind of like everyday routines. So that way you can still get your volume in. And like, if you miss the day, you're not, you know, like if I, if I miss a day on fifth set, I'm literally missing like my deadlift day that week or whatever, and I've got to make it up. If I miss the day on the Blaine Sumner program, well, I can just go to my next day, and I'm still going to do some type of work for my deadlift. Yeah, that makes sense. That actually makes sense. It's pretty cool. I I heard fifth set, but didn't really know how it was run. And then uh, Blaine yeah. Sumner's though, that's that's new for me. I think that's really cool. I think that's a good. Um, that's a, a really good like, little like tidbit um, for people to like, check into. Cause yeah. Uh, and I, I like, and I'm glad that you said it that way. Like a set schedule would be good with their set, but if you're hectic, the Blaine Sumner's kind of rotating schedule will help because you'll still get your work in with the lifts. Even if you have to kind of mitigate the days by schedule. Um, what do you do? Just, just curious for work. Uh, I work for the uh, the railroad here in Kentucky, so I am on call basically 24 hours a day, six days a week, and I get one day off. Today is my day off. <laughs> oh, that's that is a, that is that is a lot. But that I mean, it's kind of cool. I don't know many people who still work for a railroad, so that's it's not a very hard job. Um, but the way that the economy is right now, there's a lot of job cuts going on, so. Right now, I used to only drive an hour to work to uh, to go to Louisville, Kentucky, and work. Now, uh, due to the job cuts, I had to move where I worked at, and the terminal that I work at now is two and a half hours away. So, like last night, I left my house at five p.m. in the evening to go to work. Got there at about seven ten. Uh, we worked until. 6.30 in the morning, and I got home this morning at 9.17, and my kids were up being like, yay, you're home, and I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. Shh, quiet. Damn. So when you get, just because I'm, now I'm just kind of curious, so when you get called, does, uh, is obviously, is it like maintenance, or is it sometimes like maybe it's really short? because it's something easily fixed or is it like always like when you get called in you, you're going to be there for like six eight hours oh no see i'm a conductor we don't fix anything we just do all manual labor and like put trains together and uh, ride them to the other end of the road so uh, every day that i work is anywhere between a minimum day that i have to work is eight hours um the most we can work physically is 12 so Nine out of ten times, it's probably about ten or eleven that I'm working. And then, uh, but uh, they, they they try to get the, the twelve out of you. Trust me, they, it's not for lack of them trying. Oh yeah, 
That's that's kind of cool. You're a train conductor. Like how it's just not a common job anymore. It's every every little kid's dream when they had the train. At least it was mine. I had trains and that was fun. That's kind of cool. You know, it was the same. I said the same thing. You know, because when I was little, I loved trains, and my oldest son loved trains. Um, my dad worked for the railroad. My grandfather worked for the railroad. Both of my uncles do. Um, and when I was little, my, I remember my dad would come and he would go to work and he'd tell us where he was going and my mom would pack us up and he, we would meet him at a crossing and he would let us get on the train for a little bit and we'd ride it down the road for a little bit. Obviously we can't do that now because they have cameras on the trains and it's highly illegal, <laughs> but you know, back in, back in the day, the railroad was fun. Yeah. Um, but now my kids will look at me and they're like, Jordy, I want to I wanna grow up and work on the railroad just like you. And I'll kind of grab them. Uh, have you ever watched uh, Billy Madison? Yeah, of course. Okay, I, I kind of grab them and I squeeze them. I'm like, don't you ever say that. <laughs> Stay here. Stay as long as you can. As long as you can. Was it the one where he, he tells him, I want to be a golfer? He's like, no, you don't want no part of this golf game. Uh, I think there's something about the little kids that he can't wait to grow up and go to high school like Billy did or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. That's right. grabbed him and squeezed That's right. That's right. Now I remember. I remember. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I was, um, that was my bad. I was getting Happy Gilmore. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking dumb. I got Happy Gilmore confused <laughs> with Billy Madison. I, yeah, I kind of figured that's what you were doing, but I mean, Happy Gilmore's not a bad movie by any means, so. But um, speaking of Adam Sandler, he's got a movie on Netflix. It's called Murder Mysteries or something like that. And it's actually pretty funny. It's got Jennifer Aniston in it. I, I saw the thingy and I was like, man, I wonder if that's going to be good. And I actually saw a few like reviews where they were like, no, it's actually funny. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Same thing. Like, you know, the last movie that I've seen him in, they were kind of funny, but they weren't what I expected. This one, I went into it expecting it to be bad and it was hilarious. Okay, that's see, that's good. I'm glad. I mean, I like I like Adam Sandler. Obviously, like I grew up and his shit was ridiculous and funny. So, I I, I want I'd like to see funny Adam Sandler like again. You know, so uh, I'm I'm all about it. I'll give it a shot. Uh, and I can't yeah, watch it. Yeah, I, I can't believe I got those two movies mixed up. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> uh, But yeah, I'll, I will definitely give it. A, I'll give it a watch. I saw that. I was like, okay. Do you uh, do you have another meet planned out anytime soon? Um, right now, I'm looking at December uh, for my next one. I I, th- I like to to keep like six months in between at least, um, and then, um, yeah. So I'm looking at this at December. Like I'm not signed up for anything yet, but uh, I that's what I'm thinking. Six months is a good little break in between them. I yeah, like I normally try four to or anywhere between four to six. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's, that's kind of the normal, uh, and I think I don't know, just I think giving my uh, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just so novice, you know. I mean, I've I've lifted since I was 21. I'm 29 now, but I haven't seriously lifted in like a powerlifting fashion um, and really like you know track progress. Uh, Except for the only over the past little over a year and a half now, so right. So yeah, you've still got plenty of time to make all the progress you want. Yeah, hoping so. I mean, and you know, that's 
Um, you know, and I really try to, you know, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm a nerd in all sense of the word. When I suck at something, I really try to obsess over it until I'm, I'm good at it and, or at least not as sucky. So, um, yeah, I like the idea of having like six months cause then I'm like, okay, I know I'll have that time to, to really like rebuild a heal up, rebuild, um, and just, you know, just kind of put, put some work in. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping. That's another thing some of the young kids kind of forget is taking time off from me. So they'll, they'll like jump into one and be like, okay, I got my next meet already planned out. It's in three months. Why? It's like you just did a meet. Yeah. Taking time. Like what, what, the yeah, like what, your found- what gains are you going to make in three months? Like, 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 sh- like shy of shooting yourself with like, 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 uh, I know eye popping amounts of trend. Are you going to like actually do anything in three months? Man, you would be surprised at some of the stuff that some of these kids tell me they run. I'm just like, that's like three times the amount that I do. What is, what is wrong with you? You're insane. Yeah. And it's, and, and then I see that and then I don't, they don't even make the progress that they want to make because they, they train like shit. Um, and, and I, and I'm, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a, a well, a fully educated person on the science of gear yet, but I mean, uh, at least the one people that I know who make really good progress. And if they tell me, and then you actually like the, what they run, it's actually not a lot. And I'm like, Oh, well that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You want to make, you want to get as far as you can running as little as you can. That way, when you have to up it, you can still go somewhere. Like, there were a couple, there was a kid that told me what he ran, and nice little college kid ran like a gram or 1,300 tests, and then I think it was like 400 NPP a week, followed by. 50 or 100 of D-Ball and Anadrol both a day for like the last six weeks. And I was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) And like, I was like, I I told, I was like, I literally run half of that. Like not even as many things as you run, but half. Yeah. Like, you know, I I heard that's, that's like that. Like, uh, Here's the thing. I have a horrible fear of needles, so I really don't like getting stabbed at all. It's not fun. Yeah. But, you know, you know, I hear a stack like that, and I'm like, oh, you've got to have like a 2,000-some-pound-plus total or something like that. And it was it was not. It, it was not impressive. Yeah. And, and I think the best thing I ever heard was that, you know, if you choose to do, you know, to go and use gear – your goal, your once you do, the name of that game is is the um, the 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 most minimum amount for the most m- most minimum dose for the most maximum um, benefit. Yeah, the most bang for your buck. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and like you want to try to like squeeze that because because more isn't better. You know, nope. you know, and people run too. Gonna mess with stuff, and it's just not gonna go well. Yeah, and and you know, I think you know, and again, uh, you know, uh, from what it seems, you know, that 
even once you you start doing gear, you you need to train better. You need to train because it, it's only good, it's supposed to help you recover, and it's gonna you know and just kind of give you give you that little bit, but it's not gonna it's just it's not gonna take the place for those sets in those reps and those rest days and that you know that proper deload and that proper peak. It's not it doesn't it's not gonna make up for that. No, no, it will not. Yeah, and and then I've had people ask you know ask me who are just started in lifting, like just like really, and they're like, Oh, you know, like, I think I should, I should look into that and maybe it would help. And I'm like, you know, no, you can't even, you know, squat, you know, two times your, you know, your body weight yet, even a one and a half times your body weight yet. You know, don't, don't even look at that. Yeah. Like people, people are really quick to uh, jump right into that. I really wish they hit their own, like, if you, like, it, it is different. Like, if you waited until you hit the absolute maximum wall you could hit and then used it to, you know, jump really far over the wall. But people aren't getting in close to the wall, and they're using it to pole vault, like, an inch over it. Yeah. And it's just like, you could get so much more out of this if you just knew what you were doing. Yeah. And all of that, and maybe, and all of that just maybe even just built the habits. Like... Like become just a monster in gym in terms of how you train. Like you know you you know you just you get smart programming, you get a good coach, you really become a technician. You know you eat, like you just do all those steps you need to do as best you can. And like you said, once you hit that wall, then when you make that, then it then it is really going to help you because you set up really good habits. Exactly. You no, know, you know it's you know so you you just. You know, like you said, sometimes people are dumb. People don't want to like listen. Like I, I feel like if someone, you know, and it's all the guys I know who were really strong and who run, they, they all, all of them who don't even know each other, they say the same. They would say the same thing. Like you know, get to a certain point, then you can look at yourself and say, is it worth it? Do you want to do that? Is that, you know, is that going to do? But get here first, and then when you do, if you do decide to do that, like you said, bang for your buck. Like more isn't better. And, you know, and still, still train hard. It's not a magic fix. And they all said that. And so I've, I fucking listened. <laughs> like they know what they're talking about. Yeah. People kind of, they just don't like to listen to experience uh, from other people. They like to listen to their own once they find out, you know, they screwed up and stuff doesn't work. Yeah. And especially if it's not what they want to hear. You know, you know, if they like, you know, if they're like, oh, should I think I should do this? You know, like, especially if they're like, no, they know, like, I like powerlifting. So therefore, like, then, you know, that I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay with gear and they can think I should do that. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Not, you know, he's not, he's not yet. You're not there to make that decision yet. You haven't put in the, that time and like learned. Then you, then you can make the decision, the decision. So yeah, and like you no, know, people like to listen to the wrong people on Instagram sometimes and social media. Like they want to listen to, you know, big followings instead of people who actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, you know, and it's like, um, you know, it's like you know, like, you know, someone who's been lifting for, you know, you know, let's see, would you, what did you say? You did your first meet in 2013. Say it again. 2013. Yeah, so 2013, 
It's 2019 now, so that's like what? Uh, six years? Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, so you've been powerlifting for six years and you have a two K total, you know, um I, I feel like that's more like, that's, that's that is more qualified than you know you know, however many followers, you know, on that end. Yeah. I think I've got I think it's like twenty five hundred or something. I don't I don't really pay a lot of attention to it, but it, I mean, you know, it's just he, finding what works for you. People try to jump on like the newest thing over and over again, and I mean, I'm I'm guilty of switching up what program I'm doing at the time, just because I'll find something that works. You know, that set worked really well for my bench and my squat, or my bench, my deadlift, my squat. Um, was still really strong, but it didn't take off like the other two. So I looked around. I was trying to find something that would work for my squat. And, you know, it's kind of like mix and match. You'll find one program works really well for your squat. It won't work for your bench. Your deadlift is kind of in. So you'll keep the squat program, and you'll look around for the other two. And then once you find, you know, once you figure out what works for each one of your lifts and what brings up where you stuck at, you know, you can kind of put pieces together there and it's just people aren't they look on instagram and they're like oh i saw larry wills benching um two barbells with 225 on it with you know you know a barbell in each hand i'm gonna try that or you know i don't think i've seen anybody do that i hope nobody's that dumb i hope hope no one does that like (laughs) like it's stuff like that it's stupid stuff that's not going to pay you know and, you know, like people that pay or people that make programs like, well, this works for me, so it's obviously got to work for you. No, not how this works because not everybody works the same. Not everybody has the same leverages. Nobody, you know, not everybody has the same weaknesses as everybody else. So, you know, good example is um, my bench responds really well to um, – Really, not. I don't want to say heavy volume, but starting around seventy-five to eighty percent, doing four to five sets on those with you know two to three reps, and then a lot of tricep and lat work. Like I literally do zero chest work whatsoever, other than benching directly. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I can't, I can't have a bench day without doing chest flies or dumbbell benches." I'm like, I mean, that's cool. You do, you do you. It doesn't work for me. My bench does really well with skull crushers, gym presses, close grip bench press, close grip incline, and a lot of lat pulldowns. And if I had a dip bar, I would be doing dips every day. But, you know, everybody's different. Yeah. And then you, know, you, I've got a friend. you have a naturally huge chest. So <laughs> I think that's in your favor. Well, it's really funny because if you've ever seen a picture of me in high school, you would not say that. That that is that is true. Probably not. It's always kind of funny, actually. <laughs> I do like actually seeing those more than anything. I like seeing big guys like really thick, you know, two twenties uh, more, or even one ninety eights. You know, kind of how they were. Uh, I do love seeing those because it's, kind of, it's cool. It's cool to always see those progressions. Right. Yeah. And you know, some people were. I'm actually getting ready to send you a picture because it's funny. 
because I actually found it the other day and sent it to a friend of mine. I actually sent it to Ransom now that we're talking about it because he posted his throwback. He was like a wrestler. I was like, yeah, man, I was jacked in high school, and I sent him this picture. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but yeah. It looks like weird man. That is, that is, that is funny. So that that's you, yeah? I mean, I can tell it's you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your, it's your, it's your face. So yeah. So he just, so those listening, he just sent me a picture of his hair is shaggy, and uh, I, 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 I think I even look bigger now than you are in this picture, which is not saying much, but yeah. It, uh, I uh, after high school, I uh, think I graduated high school. I weighed like one fifty, but my dad died. Um the years and the October following, like I graduated in May or June and then dad died in October. And so I came back home from school, from college after December or January or whenever the winter semester was over. And, uh, I did not do anything to play world of Warcraft for probably a year at all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go out. I just stayed home and played WoW, made friends there. That's where I dealt with. That's where all my social activities came from. It got to the point where I could take my thumb and my index finger of my left hand and wrap it around my bicep of my right hand and touch them. Ooh. Or right arm. Yeesh. Yeah, I was super. I was super gay. Yeah, you were. And it's funny because some of the people that I work with on the railroad are still there from when I got hired in. And they look at me and they're like, you literally look like you ate the you that hired in here. I'm like, well, that was kind of the plan. Yep. And you're like, actually, I did. I actually probably ate three of me. <laughs> <laughs> Considering how much you probably have to eat. I'm, oh, here's a fun fact. When I was in high school, I was one of those kids that wanted to just have abs and, you know, be shredded. And now you're a, a pretty, pretty shredded 220. I'm a, I'm a pretty happy, healthy 220 where I feel good about myself. That's awesome. That's that's where I would like to get. I'd like to get, uh, I'd say, I'd, I'd be happy. I'd, I'd be a happy, if I was like 200, between 200 and 220, like 210, 220, I would, and I'm, I'm um, I think I was, and I have been competing at 83 kilo, 181. I think I weighed in like 185 a couple days ago. Um, I remember. So I was stuck at one. I was stuck around 170, 180, I think, for a long time. Yeah, that's been me. I don't know what. I think it was when pro hormones were actually legal. I took. I think it was Instant or something. It's like 195, but I was a lot of water weight and I was real red and fat. Um, it was real soft, but. Um, I, I think it was because in high school, my diet literally consisted of like three steaks a day, and uh, I would go through a 12 pack of Pepsi a day, so it was a shit ton of caffeine. Yeah. But I would, that was, I would not eat any carbs for some. I never, the only carbs I would eat were like French fries. I was real picky about what I ate. And then once I started powerlifting and I found out that rice wasn't disgusting and that sweet potatoes tasted like candy. Um, True that. The weight just started to 
the weight just started to pile on after another. And I was actually last year, I had a problem keeping my weight under 230. Like it, it just kept going up. I thought it was going to be like 240 by the end of the year last year. And it finally stalled. Yeah. And uh, then I don't know what happened, but before this meeting made, like I was sitting around 230. And then like the week before the meet, I was, I went and did a little, uh, a little local meet just to hit some openers. And, uh, I think I weighed in like 226. Like I'd lost four pounds out of nowhere. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but we'll just cut down to 220 for this meeting. It's six pounds. It's not going to ruin my day. Yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. That's 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 cool. Um, so now yeah. I'm up at like 219. And I don't know where those extra 10 pounds went, but I want them back. I want them back. Give them back. I know now I'm you know, I'm trying to put on, and honestly, like I'm, and I'm, I'm getting a little soft. Like not, I'm not like, so, you know, I'm still keeping up with training, but just, you know, always around like the, you know, the, the usual guy, you know, midsection is a little softer than the, like, that's the only place I carry any, like any fat. And that's kind of annoying. Like, I don't need a six pack, but I don't like seeing it. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. But at the same time, I'd rather be stronger and, you know, put the weight on. So I'm just like, well, I'll just do some sprints <laughs> and, and just keep getting, lifting heavier and, and just fill it out. So, like, it's the first little bit that you put on some weight. It's not going to be the where, where you want it. You're going to have to give your body like a month or two, sometimes even three, to like settle in. You know, readjust to where it's at. It kind of you know recomp. But then once your body, because the first time I was like 190 or 198, like I said, I looked like a little red tomato. My face was. I carried a lot of water weight in my face and whatever. And like after a couple months, it just kind of rearranged itself and shifted around. And my body got comfortable being 190. And it, you know, it went to wherever it was supposed to go. My face didn't look like a freaking tomato all the time anymore. All right. Well, hey, actually, that's that's actually really good because that's something that I've actually been needing to hear. Because, you know, I think, you know, you talk to some people about it. Everyone has a little bit different, but not I think, you know, um, I think you, you sound like you probably, you know, we're probably, a, like, how tall are you? About five, eight. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like six foot, like even, like Joe, maybe just like just under, but, um, but in terms of like lean, I think that's really similar in terms of how we probably, how we bulk. Yeah. You got plenty of room to add all the weight. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one thing is like, I'm a giraffe, like I'm all legs. I'm sure if you see like my squat videos, like my 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 femur is like the same size as my torso. Like from like when my femur starts to my kneecap, if you take that, it's like they're almost the same size. Um, so, but I know I have lots of room to add, and that can work to my benefit. Um, but currently, it's a <laughs> it makes me feel like I have to squat forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't envy tall people at all. Yeah, I had a friend. Uh, I've got a friend who's six seven, and watching him squat, I think I can like you know run to the counter at the gym, buy a couple of things to drink, come back, and he's almost to depth. He's almost, he's almost to depth, yeah. And the thing is, I'm I actually like I'm I'm really flex again. I'm really flexible. I, I can I did martial arts is how I started. When I was like five, and so I was forced to like be really flexible. So I can still do a, a full, almost a full split. Actually, I can pretty much do, if I warm up, I can still drop into a full split. Um, 
which I've never been able to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's really weird. I remember like if I, if I'm stretching, warming up in like, uh, it's a couple of the couple of meets that I've been, uh, you know, and I, and I do, and I'm doing that. And I always, I always, I'll even get the, like a girl or two just like look at me like the fuck is wrong with you. I'm like, yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. So, so I have really flexible hips. So even though I have to, I have to squat you know, pretty long, um, I have lots of room that I can, that I can, I can, I can hit depth with. So as long as, as long as I can keep my torso angle and I can get that back, my shoulders to, to drive back, um, you know, and then I can, you know, add, add, you know, more muscle onto my frame. I, I think I can make it work in my advantage. So eventually uh, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, could be. I could have no, I could not, I could have like no legs and not be able to squat. So exactly. Yeah. I'll take that. No, I know. And, and I, you know, I know I'm really lanky, but I'm also really mobile so I can put myself in good positions. I just have to get stronger in those positions. That's really it. Hey, that's all it is. You got to get stronger wherever you're not strong at. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Such a, such, such a thing. Uh, if you're good at something cool, you know, get, you know, refine it. If you're not good at something, work on it. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, well, um, I've kept you for like now, uh, an hour and 33 minutes, which is super awesome. And I really appreciate, you know, taking the time. I, I really like to, um, I've never been to Kentucky and I'd really like to, so I'd love to come and live with you sometime. If you're ever in California, please, please let me know and come and lift. It'd be a blast. And you are more than welcome to stop by anytime you're here. If you ever get the chance, we have plenty of bourbon and there are pretty nice horses here in the state. Well, I, I, do, I do love horses and bourbon and I like steak and, 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 you know, the, you know, I've not spent a lot of time in the South. Only a few I've been to, North Carolina, which I guess is kind of high south, and Florida, which is its own yeah, we weirdness. Yeah, North Carolina counts as south. It's, it's south or more south than we are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was, there was, yeah, they were. It was definitely different. It was a culture shock, but I really, I liked a lot. I liked, you know, a lot of it. I, I definitely want to see more, um, you know, Kentucky, and I'd love to see, you know. You know Nashville, of course, and I'm a country fan, so I want to go to Nashville um, and see all that shit. But it's funny. I literally, I would go. I, that's where I take trains to. I go to Nashville every time I go to work. I am so sick of Nashville. It's not even funny. Well, that makes complete sense, and I, I probably would be also if I was you. Uh, but here, Louisville's cool. I've heard good things. Well, you know, I've heard that it's fun. It's a wow. cool city. Yeah, the nightlife feels good. Um, if you go down there Friday through, you know, Sunday, the air in Nashville just smells like one big barbecue. I mean, that's um, not bad. <laughs> the people that live here now, I don't know how to explain them other than man buns, khaki shorts, the women's legs are bigger than most of the men. Well, that's a that's a trav that's a that's a travesty, especially for a southern state that usually prides itself. Because like here in a like you know I live in Ventura, which is about fifty miles north of LA, and it's kind of like we're on the beach. It's a little beach town. It's like a blue collar beach town. Um, and actually, the nickname in like if you live here, you're from Ventura. 
the nickname is Ventucky because even though we, we live in California, we're on the beach, it's a little, it can be a little rednecky, <laughs> as ironic as that is. Um, so, but you go to LA, it's like you expect to see man buns and khaki shorts in LA. Like it's, yeah, it's LA. Um, not all of it, but it's part of it. But it's funny, you know, hear that like Louisville, you know, would have that. Yeah, it's it's funny, but you know, places 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 are weird. But I, I, I still, I still oh, yeah. have fun. But yeah, have you ever come out here? Yeah, I think I think that I think you you would enjoy it. It's pretty it's pretty nice out here. So we have good stuff. I'm hoping. I'm hoping to take a trip or like at least a vacation or something out there, uh, maybe next year or something like that. But uh, uh, fingers crossed that we can pull that off and get that out of the way. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and if you do, you let me know. I'll, I'll help you find you know find places like you know Airbnbs and stuff. I know I know pretty much all the you know good stuff to get around. Um, yeah, I'll I'll be, I'll be like an unofficial travel agent. I'll point you where to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, and then finally, before before I let you go, I I have to ask you: Are you looking forward to this the new Spider Man movie? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I'm pretty. I'm really hoping for good things on that. So I'm just excited that they mentioned the multiverse in it, and that has me so excited for everything else they can possibly imagine to do. Oh, and I mean, because Spider Spider Verse and Multiverse. Are, some of my favorite arcs um and mysterio is a classic i've been waiting for that and i didn't know how i felt originally about jake gyllenhaal but then after like thinking about it and like sitting with it and seeing what he's done and his other like really creepy like twisted roles he's done i'm like nah he has the chops i feel like he won't fuck that up it's like i don't like when i look at jake gyllenhaal i don't think amazing actor but then i look at some of the things he's done and i'm like no no that's pretty much the definition he's pretty damn good no i don't he's good my favorite possibility that popped into my head was so have you seen the end of the into the uh, spider-verse movie that just came out right oh of course right i need that to happen but i need to have andrew garfield toby mcguire and uh oh my god who was the last one that we just had um, uh, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. I, I said them first. Yeah, I need Tom, I need all three. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that would be amazing. Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. Need it in my life. I don't need both of the Venoms that we have. I'm not October Grace wasn't you know perfect for Venom, um, and that would never happen. That's fine. But yeah, you get all three of those Spider Men on on screen for me oh, the money would roll in oh yeah i know that'd be that'd be that'd be fantastic i actually would you know of all of those that you know the toby mcguire's i think that the the venom emo toby mcguire also popping up just for comedic effect would be hilarious that'd be a great way to like kind of meta humor that mistake away and make it pay off oh that was so funny and i'm i'm, I'm not gonna lie i like toby mcguire was a good spider-man wasn't a good Peter Parker to me. Oh, I, I actually, I've, I've, I've said that exact same thing that that uh, yeah, that he was a great Spider-Man, not a great Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was a really good Peter Parker. Well, he had, he had a 
okay. I won't say really good, but he was a good Peter Parker, and his Spider-Man like had its moments. But he kind of on both. He was a little off, but I think Tom Holland has the nice like he's both like he is. He kind of he gets Peter Parker and the goofiness, and he's a very good Spider-Man. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, Tom Holland is by far in a way the best one. Tobey Maguire would be my second. And it's only because um, Andrew Garfield's second movie, it wasn't anything he did. I just, the way that they handled the movie, it wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't his fault. I, I think he did the best what he could. With, with Actually, with one of my buddies, he said with Andrew Garfield, um, he's just too hand, like he's just handsome. Like even Peter Parker, Peter Parker is supposed to be dorky and like nerdy and have you know those self-esteem issues and that uncomfortability and Andrew Garfield did not have that like I feel like he was tr- he would try but it's like yeah it was he was just like he then he just he basically just looked like brooding man bun just without the man bun you know just like he just he just was too suave to really pull it off it's like you you've never really been a nerd like you've never actually been that person I can tell so um yeah I am excited I'm- one of the things that I need, and I know, you know, I, we're getting the stereo in far from home, and I'm okay with that. We just got the Vulture, albeit, you know, modern take on the Vulture, but it wasn't bad. It was Michael Keaton, though, which made it amazing. Yeah, you can you know, I, I, Plus, he's in jail, so they can always bring him back for another one if they want to do, like, the Sinister Six. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I'm waiting for the day that we get a full-blown carnage in one of our Spider-Man movies because I need that oh, every man. level that I I, I would love that. And honestly, I love that they casted Woody Harrelson to be Carnage in the Sony version. And like, ah, oh, I wish that was, yeah, I agree. I wish that wasn't like, I like, like I watched the Venom movie with Tom Hardy. Cause I love Tom Hardy. I'll watch it on principle. I like Venom. And also I'm going to watch it. And I did. And it was like fun, but like at the same time, it's like, but it's, but when it, without Spider-Man, it's, it's a bummer. Like it's, uh, it's a bummer. Yeah. And, you know, you know, like, if you go in and you just want to watch it and you know Spider-Man's not going to be there, it's not that bad. But if you go in and you're trying to think, like, oh, it's going to be a Spider-Man movie, no, it's not. It's, it's, not. it's not. And then, like, one of my favorite things, like, with Venom, that I, like, it's, it's a very small thing. But it's, like, one of those things that I know is that, like, Venom has the white patches on the top of his hand that he shoots out his webs from the top. You know? And, yeah. it, like, that's one of those, like, small details that I know and I really like. Because when he's when he's swinging, he looks like he's basically punching, you know, the whole time. And yeah. I, I loved that. And I was like, and I missed that. And I was like, man, that's a bummer. I just missed it. Yeah. But like, and like you said, I'm I, I, I like Woody Harrelson as the uh, as Carnage. Um, I didn't like the wig that they put on him. Like the red, it looked a little too much. Like I mean, I would have been fine if you wanted to make Cletus Cassidy bald. Just leave Woody Harrelson alone. Let him do his thing. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy did a good, a pretty good job. Um, it was a different Eddie Brock than I was expecting, but I mean, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I thought the Venom was great. Like the way they did oh, the Venom was fantastic. Yeah, Venom was spot, Venom was spot on. Venom was amazing. Uh, even when we got to see She Venom for just like a split second, she bit the dude's head off. And oh, it was great! That was great. I love the body and the heads. I really wish that they would have let them make it R because I know the original cut was R, 
in like in that scene when they're like just biting off heads of all the like the SWAT guys, like that originally was like you know more graphic, and they made them cut it. And I was like, oh, yeah. ugh. It's like just stop See, trying doing that. Not, it's like nobody learned anything from the. the I mean the the you know the um, uh, what am I thinking of the uh, the box office bomb that was Logan. I mean not bomb, but you know Jewel. Throw an R-rated superhero movie at people. You watch people get decapitated by, you know, Logan and Wolverine and this small little child that's stabbing people. It was fantastic. Have you watched that in black and white, by the way? Is it in black and white? Oh, dude. Dude. If you, if you, yes, if you get, if you buy, um, if you buy it on Blu-ray, or at least one of the Blu-ray editions has a black and white cut. You can watch the whole movie and it's like uncut direct, like director's cut in black and white. And it is, it is, it is just, it is gorgeous. It's wonderful. I'm going to say it because that is legitimately probably like my favorite superhero movie of all time after it came out. Yeah. Especially with like the way they had the trailers set up for it with the, the Johnny Cat songs and, it makes the it entire time you're watching, the entire time you're watching Ruby, you're like, Oh, they're not going to do that. And then the entire movie, you're just like, no, they're not going to do that to me. No, they're, they're, they're teasing that. And then at the end, you know, that finally happens. And then like everybody just breaks down emotionally. And just, like, Oh God. Why? Yeah, why? You just, yeah. Uh, no, you took, you took out my heart and you threw it against the wall and then you just kicked it around and I loved you for it, and I and then I hate that I love you for it. No, the black and white is amazing, dude. I it was it makes it makes that movie better, like more than it already is, oh. which is saying a lot. And I really I, it just because it fits the vibe, like it just it just like is. And my, I had a friend tell me that he's like, "Have you seen it in black and white?" I was like, "Excuse me." He's like, "You need to go watch it in black and white, and then call me." And I did. And man, it was like I, it was the best. Now, now, actually, I, I, I would, I always now will watch it in black and white, unless it's somebody's first time seeing it. Then I'll watch it with them, and you know, in the regular. But black and white director's right. cut is just is I, way to my heart. I'm gonna have to. No, I need this. Now you need it, uh, and you'll have to me, text me and just be like, dude. Yep. Yeah. Uh, get me off the girl movies for like five seconds before we get off here. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the new Godzilla movie more than the reviews say that I should have, and I loved every second of it. Really? Okay. I've heard mixed reviews, and I've been wanting to see it, and I was like, I don't know, should I? But okay. On your recommendation, actually, just alone, I will. I, that will put the nail in. I, I will see it. You've seen the first one, right? Yes. Okay. What was your opinion on that one? Um, I loved it. I thought it was super fun, and I thought that Brian Cranston outacted everybody in thirty minutes. Um, that he was yeah, on screen, <laughs> so because he's Brian Cranston. Okay, so yeah, Brian Cranston was amazing. I wish he would have been in the entire movie. I wish they would have had him in this movie. I wish they put him in every Godzilla movie. I would love it. So my problems with the first movie is. Um, I don't give a shit about the people storylines in a Godzilla movie. Keep people away from me. Let me watch the monsters. Yeah, I just want fucking Gojira. I want lightning fire, and I want to see him do his thing. So, you know, in the 
first one, I loved the way that they teased the monster fights up until the final one. And it even looked like they were going to tease it then. But then they finally like, no, here's your fight. And it was beautiful. I loved that. Um, when and it, But here's the thing. I, when I watched the first Godzilla movie, I watched it in an IMAX theater. And it's amazing because I could watch Godzilla's nostrils flare in like super mega HD with awesome surround sound. But when his tail lit up and he did his atomic breath, that was my Shawn Michaels boyhood dream moment. <laughs> yes. It, nobody had hinted at it. You know, the old Godzilla movie we got, we got fucking weird lizardzilla that didn't fucking breathe fire. And I was kind of bummed that I wasn't going to get to see, you know, super Brock Lesnar Godzilla shoot fire. And he started to light up and I was like, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Need it, need it now. But the second one, oh, but, you know, there's some people stories lines in it, and it's not bad. Like if you, you know, the reviews were like, oh, it focuses too much on the monsters, not enough on the storyline. I'm sorry, do you know what a Godzilla movie is? Like what? Look, it no, is what? about monsters, motherfucker. Literally, it gives you so many monster fights. Like it doesn't even. It, it, they're like, oh, we're sorry. You know how King Kong uh, was like, oh, we Godzilla teased Godzilla for like half the movie, and then in King Kong you see Kong in like the first ten minutes. Yeah. This one was like, this, one, this one's like, here's Godzilla. Let him fight. <laughs> Let him fight, and God damn it, that's what I want. Actually, I, that's one of the reasons I liked um, that one movie, uh, Pacific Rim. I don't know if you ever saw that. Rim was good. Yeah, Pacific Rim was badass. There were the YouTube comments that I saw on the trailer on the on the YouTube video for Godzilla, and it was like, "Hey, do you remember the monster fights from Godzilla 2014 and Pacific Rim?" And uh, crew member was like, "Yeah," and the director goes, "Turn it up to 11. Yeah, and that movie. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, all right, I'll watch it. You watch Black and White Logan. And I'll watch the new Godzilla, and right. and we will and we will reconvene and nerd that nerd the fuck out. I can do that. Awesome. Uh, all right, man. I will. It is now an hour and fifty. I think I'll let you get back to your family. But I, I really had fun. This was a blast, and um, I'm gonna enjoy uh, enjoy putting it out. So thanks again. I really really appreciate it. Anytime, man. And feel free to hit me up on Instagram whenever you want. Oh, you know I will. And we will have many things to talk about, especially after Spider-Man comes out. So uh, I will I will be I'll be patiently awaiting what uh, your thoughts on that. So, um, yeah, thanks again. And I hope uh, I hope. Yeah. I hope people learn from this. And I'm, I'm hoping my little project, uh, you know, kind of turns into something. So we'll see. All right, well, I will be looking forward to it coming out, and I'll probably be listening to the ones that are before and after that. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the first one, uh, obviously, already out. I mean, it's kind of, you know, for beginners. But the second one will be coming out um, on Wednesday. It's Monday today. And and that's with uh, Tim Williams of Ritual. I interviewed him, and we did a good, like, 45, 50 mm-hmm. minutes. So it was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to go and look at that one then. Yeah, yep. It'll come out on. It'll be out on Wednesday, so it should be fun. So. All right. Well, man. Nice. All right. You too, my man. And I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. You have a good one. All right. You too. Bye bye.
All right. Well, you've stuck in for this long. I, we really appreciate it. Uh, Jordan is an amazing lifter and an awesome dude and a great fellow nerd. So, uh, you know, takeaways from that, uh, and, you know, from Jordan is about you know, giving yourself a break, enjoying your progress. Uh, fifth set, fifth set program. You got a set schedule. And then the Brett Sumner program, if you need something a bit more on the rotating. So, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And hope to catch you on the next episode of the Nerds Who Live podcast. I want to give a shout out to the sponsors, Viking Performance Chalk. You guys are amazing. Uh, the best sticky stuff for lifting some iron. Calibrate Illustrations, as always, the creator of our logo. And all of you for listening. Really appreciate uh, you guys supporting. And uh, be on the lookout for some shirts. I got that. Calibrate Illustrations did it again. So I'm trying to figure that out. Um, if you hear this and you're interested, let me know. Um, it'll probably be a while before I actually post it, but just know that that's in the works. So thanks to guys again for listening. I'm Nicholas, and this is the Nerds Who Live podcast. Thank you.